This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. A very good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Dembele. It is my pleasure to be in your company. Um, I'm deeply uh, sorry that I could not be with you last week. I suddenly took ill, but um, the good Lord has been very kind. I'm back as fit as a fiddle uh, and in your midst again. Uh, this country of ours is a, it's a very interesting country because it's, there's never a dull moment. There's every, every day you've got to hear, uh, thought provoking, uh, exciting things. Um, but one of the certain things that, or set things that I've just picked up, we've picked up last week, I suppose, is the, you know, the stepping down of, uh, CEO of, biz, uh, you know, business, uh, Unity South Africa, Tanya Cohen, after a very short period of time, two and a half years at the hub. Um, you know, quick reflection of, of Tanya's leadership. Um, I've known Tanya for, I think, about two or three years. Um, and she came across as a very intelligent, uh, you know, leader, very, you know, unassuming, very deep, very reflective. And it is quite uh, sad to hear that she's living uh, hardly three years in a row. And we sincerely hope that, um, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Busa has become a better entity than you know it was when she came through, and we also picked up that she has really delivered in her mandate, and uh, that is that that needs to be applauded because in this day and age there are very few people who are like Tanya Cohen, and and let's hope we're not going to lose other big names or people with credibility. Uh, insight and wisdom in you know steering private sector because we do need that kind of thought leadership. Anyway, uh, we sincerely hope uh, she will you know do her best in the next uh, assignment. And and uh, as a sunny as a sunny star she is, uh, she will definitely do like that. Uh, moving uh, forward very swiftly, let me take this opportunity to thank those who came before me. Uh, Kathy Kayla, thank you for gracing the airwaves. Sasha Star, Simon, Mandy, uh, thank you very much, guys, for keeping us entertained and, and probably well informed. I suppose after every incident or every after every episode, uh, you know, of of Kathy and the gang, we are all a lot smarter, a lot engaged, uh, more attuned for what she delivers. Um, as always, I'm not flying solo. I always have Tabo uh, Mlangin, who is the producer of the show. I uh, also want to acknowledge him and thank him, you know, for being with us. Uh, I know he missed me last week, but Timen, we are here today. Um, you know, you know the drill as, uh, from from now. If you really want us, not if, I employ you as a matter of principle and fact that uh, we're in on our conversation tonight. Our SMS line is 34519 and our WhatsApp number is 061-895-1019. And, and I'll definitely take your emails. My email is nimrod at... Uh, Tonight we're putting a spotlight on the resignation of uh, the CEOs at SAA as well as um, uh, ESCOM. We reflected on this issue last time, but somehow a thought came through as to what are some of the critical issues that we have missed out. What are the unsaid things, uh, you know, around the, you know, around the resignations of the two CEOs that we've noted about. Um, on the line, I'm joined by, uh, um, Carl Wegner, an old colleague of mine. Uh, I believe he's, he's now back from Claude Totting. Uh, Carl, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Nimrod. Good evening, 
Good evening, Rod, um, and thank you very much, and good evening to the listeners. Thank you very much, and welcome back to um, SA Inc. Um, earlier on, I reflected very briefly on Tanya Cohen's uh, resignation from uh, BUSA as the uh, as the head. You, you know, I, I think it is it's not a it's not something to celebrate. You know, it's something to 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 really uh, uh, look at it very closely. That's my personal view. What do you think? I agree. I think it is a pity and I think it is concerning when we, we lose the quality of leadership uh, that we have we have there. So I do believe it is sad. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, let's look at, you know, earlier on, I just painted a picture around the resignations of the two top CEOs, which um, from what we know, they've done a sterling work, but without the support um, of, of, of the board. My biggest concern is the fact that if there's been, not if actually, there is merit. Uh, they've presented critical issues which are bedeviling uh, the SAA. You know, technically, the both entities are bankrupt. There's not enough money. There's all issues around paying the salaries. And now we've picked up the, the, the labor unions as well as the pilot association, you know, from the ESCOM, from the SA side of things. They want to, you know, put the tools down. Uh, perhaps maybe you can just reflect on that. But secondly, which is of critical importance <coughs> for me, is that you know is the definite silence of the board we've picked up they have they've seconding or um you know endorsing the appointment of um, acting ceo um you know but the, the, over and above that what else is missing from the board uh, if the entities are in a dire financial strain um as as it were to a point where salaries cannot be paid Clearly, there's something more bigger than that. What would have been expectations of the board um, from your side, uh, Carl? Yeah. Well, I think firstly, it is it is it is sad and concerning that we are losing uh, leaders that I do, I do believe have made a valuable contribution. Um, we've had a history of of problems with leaders in our SOEs. We seem to have now come across two that I believe are competent and able to add value. Um, we look at Buyani and SAA and the difference that he has made. And it is concerning that we're not keeping people like that. We seem to have battled to get rid of people we didn't want. Now that we have find some competent, diligent and effective people, we're not keeping them, both in the case of, of um, ESCOM and SAA, very concerning. But I think your point is very important, Nimrod, and that is the support that these um, people are receiving from the board. And also one has to question the role of the board and whether the, the board members are fulfilling their role. Could you just maybe expand that a little bit more? Because um, 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 earlier on, you know, when you had this chat, that, that um, um, one of the board's responsibility is, is, is diligence, mm. um, and it, it, is, it is loyal to the company, but also mm. being truthful. Um, what, what is perhaps missing from your end as yeah. to what would have been the, the, the a natural response of the boards in situations such as these? Well, correct. I think we have to understand the board's role is very much a governance um, and leadership role at a strategic level. They are there to assist and provide strategic direction. They're there to, 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 to be the caretaker of all shareholders and stakeholders. Um, and they are there to work to a point, work with and support um, the, the management board, the CEO. Um, so, so from an ethics point of view, from a governance point of view, from a strategy point of view, from a management point of view, they have a strong role to play.
Um, and when you are sitting with an organization that is in dire straits and you have a CEO who has a plan, which seems like a, an effective logical plan and it is not supported, that is, that is concerning. And therefore, one has to question whether the board members are fulfilling their role um, and whether they should actually be in the positions that they are holding. Absolutely. I mean, maybe just to take the point further, um, you know, the, the, the new acting CEO would not have any different, you know, environment because the finances of SAA are literally been wiped out. And, and they are currently preparing for submissions for, for, for bailout. Um, so basically, the, the new CEO that is coming, whether acting or they're still going to find someone who's more competent are picked up. Uh, it's another here and there because ultimately the same circumstances which led to uh, Voyani to resign are still prevalent. Exactly. Exactly. You don't get the impression that there's any further support. It is concerning, and you alluded to it, that we now have the Pilots Union or Pilots Association going out. So now we start finding that our organization is being run by the union because of the frustration they have um, in getting a lack of direction and support from board members. Um, and, and that to me is totally wrong. They should be working together. But why is it that we need to have the Pilots Association fighting to try and, and, and protect the organization? It should be, be the, the protection should be coming not only from them, but from board members as well. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't really hear much about um, a board um, other than, you know, a media statement which you picked up, I think, today or yesterday, wherein they were in support of Zuki, who is the um, acting, yeah. you know, CEO. But uh, the Pilot Association, they are saying she's not competent. She doesn't have uh, aviation experience or exposure. You know, what's your take on that? And agreed, and, and, and one would have hoped that there was some dialogue before we even got to announcing that position. One would have hoped that the um, Pilots Association would be important enough in an airline that you would be consulting with these people, you would be involving these people. The role of the board is stakeholder um, management and protection. It's not shareholder management and protection only. Surely there would have been effective dialogue, effective leadership, effective management in all of those areas, and that is concerning. Um, we have a fiduciary responsibility as, as board members to protect our organizations, to protect our stakeholders. Um, and what we tend to find is silence in so many areas, and that's not appropriate and it's ineffective. Well, perhaps one of the issues that maybe may reflect on is another circumstance from the board point of view. Um, what is the likelihood of the board resigning um, you know, in, in, in support of what issues raised by Voyani, um, Mr. Jahana, for an example. Um, is it something that is conceivable or there's just perhaps maybe a, a lead that has been put on issues at the SAA? And that I don't know, but one would like to believe it is viable and it is feasible. And in fact, it should be um, a fairly common occurrence that if you are a board member um, and you are in concerned with and you are the custodian of your organization and the well-being of your organization, that in support of that organization, be it the CEO or anyone else, you would take the appropriate action to protect that organization. And if you were unable to protect that organization and fulfill your duties, you would then resign. No, I couldn't agree with you more, Carl. Perhaps maybe on, on the last note, we have the State of the Nations Address coming on the 20th of June. 
um, the president, I'm sure, is going to reflect on these issues because they have been on, a, on his table for some time, uh, bringing stability within all the SOEs. Um, what is different this time around that you think he's likely to pull out or maintain from the SOE side of things? Um, that I don't know, but I would like to believe that there will be a strong emphasis on finding um, and maintaining, with the emphasis on maintaining and retaining, sound and effective leadership. I think we can have leadership from a government level, um, from a minister level, but there has to then be sufficient control, but also a balance with sufficient autonomy. Um, and I think what we tend to do is vacillate between the two. There's either excessive control and no autonomy, or there's too much autonomy and no control. I would like to believe that he will come up with a plan with the right approach to ensure effective governance, effective control with leadership and management autonomy, which is, which is managed, um, and with the clear vision to, to, to put leaders with the right skill, ability, and competence into those organizations to drive and lead those organizations. Organizations. Our very recent history is obviously concerning, but one is hopeful that we are able to find um, other people as uh, of the caliber that we have lost, um, put them into those positions and retain them and support them. And I think a key word there is their ability to support them with sound and effective governance and control. I couldn't agree with you. Thank you very much, Carl. We're going to have to leave it there. Once again, thank you for your insight. Good. Thank you, and good night to the listeners. There you go. That was Carl Wegner, who is the lecturer at Vets uh, Business School, specializing in leadership issues. Uh, I've just joined by uh, Eric Stillman, who is obviously a, a you know a regular feature for the show. Uh, let me take this opportunity to welcome you. Good evening, Eric, and how are you? Good evening, Nimrod. How are you? Thank you very much, sir. Good. Um, quick reflection on the 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 you know utterances made by uh, Carl. Particularly in relation to, you know, what is happening in, in the, all the SOEs. What's, what's your, you know, broad stroke on those issues? Yeah, I think we, we discussed it two weeks ago, uh, uh, Nimrod. Both of those institutions are in ICU financially. Um, they, government, there's something happening behind the scenes that we're not privy to, uh, which is causing a, a, um, a block in 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 going forward. I can only assume, for example, with SAA, government in February in the budget approved five billion of support for SAA, but Vuyani Jarana said before he resigned that they need 21 billion in order to turn around SAA according to the plan. Uh, by 2021, they'll only break even. Now, we just perhaps don't have that money and the Minister of Finance, I can only assume behind the scenes, which is not coming through transparently, this is not a kind of um, a theoretical bad governance the board's not speaking out, there's something desperate happening behind the scenes which, you know people don't want to talk about until it's resolved one, one way or the other now if the funding is not available and they can't just Go ahead willy nilly and approve 21 billion of funding for SAA. They want a much more radical plan. Cabinet, the Minister of Finance, in order to turn, we know that, that Titon Baweni is not a very passionate supporter of SAA and, and it, and its purpose, uh, you know, in being. Uh, so he needs to be convinced as the Minister of Finance that the turnaround is actually more dramatic than what was perhaps approved by the board 
um, it, 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 you know, in theory, uh, uh, that that Vuyani was expecting to to come through. The same thing with Eskim. I see earlier. I, I was keeping an eye on the news that uh, the president is is meeting with the board of ESCOM. I'm not sure if there are any press releases, but this is where the role of the president comes in dramatically. It's it's above, in fact, board level. The, 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 the president needs to take a view and show the kind of leadership which is one way or the other. Either we're going to pull out all the stops and give extra funding to these institutions or we're going to have to undertake much more drastic surgery which is, I think, what the Minister of Finance is probably saying. You've got 45,000 people at ESCOM. You don't need them all. We need to have a very, uh, you know, um, dramatic uh, reorganization of, of ESCOM. So State of the Nation in two days' time will be, you know, I think the President's, uh, 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 you know, platform to say what he wants to do with these companies, what the issues are. He's got to come clean and give guidance to the country and say this is where we are and this is where we're going. Thank you very much for that insight, um, you know, Eric. But what is very clear to me and pretty much everyone else, yes, there are behind-the-scenes conversations, there are behind-the-scenes, you know, dialogues and, 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 and kind of, you know, Buttering and kind of, you know, trying to, you know, to appease everybody. But the reality of the matter is that, um, when you have entities that are milking the fiscus, that are not financially viable, um, that's not just a theory, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. SAA came out, you know, said, look, we are not even in a position to pay salaries. Equally, uh, ESCOM and SAA had the same kind of, um, fiscal constraints. So, and of course, you know, the Minister of Finance is, it, it's not, it's not a, she, he doesn't mince his word because, you know, coming from a, a finance, from a finance background, you either, um, remodel these entities or you, you reposition them completely. I mean, we're talking restructuring. We're talking about bringing successful equity partners <coughs> into the fold because that is the only long-term solution we have had successful cases in this country wherein for part of the restructuring of this OEs is to bring in private equities, mm. you know, for them to, to support and play a meaningful role. So far we have um, the shareholder um, that, that is controlling 100% of the stake mm. and, and there lies a problem. But this, the, the president, one of the biggest challenges the president has to confront um, is the role of the union insofar as you know, influencing policy positions vis-a-vis, um, you know, uh, transformation of SOEs. Because one of the things that um, one has to take a very drastic decision on, you refer to it as a, a drastic surgery, is to, you know, um, literally put the SOEs in a path of restructuring, which brings sizable number of equity partners. Will he be in a position to do that? Well, you, you see, I think the, the, the political battle, in essence, and I hope later we'll talk about the cabinet um, and, and, and the role of the, let's say, post-Zuma faction and Asma uh, Khashula in, in, in terms of uh, the internal battles within the ANC and, and government. Um, but just sticking to the state-owned companies for now, obviously the battle with 
Kasatu with the unions and the pilots association is part of the battle. Mm. They were supporters of the president and the ANC in terms of the election. So you can't simply just say the textbook says you've got to cut your staff from 45,000 to, it doesn't work to well. 10,000 or 5,000. You, you've got to negotiate and bargain with them because people's livelihoods are at stake. You can't do the kind of drastic surgery that you need to do. So there's where, in, you know, a guy like, like the president has got a track record for, for being a, a, a supreme negotiator. That's perhaps why he's not so forthright and, 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 um, vocal until he's managed to get all the forces assembled and in an agreement as to, it's not going to be all or nothing. It's going to be to say, look, we don't have 21 billion to support SAA, but maybe we can phase in, you know, 7 billion or 8 billion, and maybe instead of cutting, you know, 50% of your workforce, we can gradually reduce the workforce by 10%, 20%, which is a typical, you know, a viable sort of turnaround plan, which goes beyond the one that was calling for 21 billion. There isn't the 21 billion. So they need a further you know, second round turnaround plan. And I think I'm very interested to see what, what, the, what they're going to say about the president's meeting with ESCOM, you know, uh, uh, today, um, to see, you know, what they can do. The president, there was a board appointed, I think, uh, uh, by this president, um, uh, at least a year ago with Jabu Mabusa as, as, as chairperson. Why the CEO there, um, uh, that was Pakamani Khadebe. Why he resigned, I don't know. No one has said anything about that, but I can only assume that what the available finances are, are, are call for a much more drastic uh, surgery than they prepared to, to do at the moment. Yep. Well, let's, well, it's now, um, um, in half past six, uh, we're going to take a break. After the break, we'll resume with the conversation. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. <coughs> it's now 25 to 6, 25 to 7, I beg your pardon. Uh, we join the studio by um, Eric Stillerman, who's really giving us uh, uh, interesting insight on the issues at hand. Uh, for those who have just joined us, the issues at hand is the turnaround strategy or the turnaround of um, in the state-owned enterprises. Um, earlier on, we reflected very briefly on the resignation of the two uh, topical leaders. Um, and, and the question is, yes, um, you know, that, that underlines a host of other issues, which perhaps maybe you and I may not be privy of. Um, you know, one of the issues that, that, that really bothers me is the silent voice or, or, or the role of the boards because under normal circumstances, when the entity is um, in ICU, you want to hear more and more um, voices from the board leadership. That's what I refer to, to activism. You know, they are. You know, uh, the board cannot allow situation, you know, to be determined by public discourse. They need to influence and shape the discourse in the public space as to what is currently happening, how are we shaping or addressing these issues, what are the trade-offs that we need to look at and help us, you know. But the moment you have a silent uh, board, you know, not coming through on some of the critical issues that are bedeviling entities that, that can barely pay salaries, 
We're not, not talking, you know, uh, any other fancy technical financial issue. We're talking payment of salaries. If you can't pay salaries for a foreseeable future, you know, that, that is quite drastic. And in the, the next, you know, that is also shown by resignation of the CEOs. They said, look, we cannot, you know, operate under any circumstances. You have put us here uh, to transform or to turn around SAA as well as ESCOM, but there's no support from the shareholder. If you're making our work impossible, as a result, you have no choice but to resign because there's no support. So my question is, it doesn't matter who comes through. You know, Zinki, when she comes through, the conditions are exactly the same, you know, from the financial point of view. So, so it's quite important for us to address those issues for, the, for, for what they are, because they have a wider implication uh, on the stability of both um, SAA as well as ESCOM, um, respectively. Let me, let me make an example. Hmm. The pilot associations are saying we'll put, you know, we'll, we'll, we are supporting, uh, we're not supporting the appointment of uh, the acting CEO because she does not have qualification or whatever. So that is a symptom of a far reaching or the symptoms of a far greater issues. You know, the issues really is about liquidity. The issues is around shareholder equitism. The issues is about the, the shareholder that is perceived not to have the best interest of the entity at heart. That's my view. And unless and until we resolve those kinds of issues at the shareholder level, translated back to two at the board level, then we can have a a, co- a coherent conversation. So far, my biggest gripe is that everything falls at the door of the board. If the board is are quiet about these kind of issues or not communicating in a manner that is credible, in a manner that is befitting to the crisis, because let's call it what it is. It is a crisis. Mm. Look, I think uh, I defer slightly with you, Nim. Um, you know, the, the, the shareholder here is, is, is government, and the, the leader of government is the president. And, uh, uh, in, in, you know, the, the leadership call is for leadership from, from the president. He's, he's the one who needs to lead his cabinet to iron out these issues, negotiate an agreement with the unions, which of necessity is normally a behind-the-scenes process, which is not always out in the in the public media, and there are competing interests that need to be balanced. And some people, like the Pilots Association, will go and voice their opinion in the media and make it known what their view is, and that's their, their democratic right to do that. Um, the board, in the meantime, is the agent. In, in the case of state-owned companies, the agent of the shareholder, which is government. So they obviously, they're dealing with, they're trying to deal with the issues behind closed doors. And the only real call for leadership is, is the president right now. That's why I say, I don't think everyone's going to be all ears listening and expecting, hoping for the kind of leadership that the president should provide in, in two days' time in the state of the nation. He's got to give, call it one way or another. This is the plan. He's, he's met today with the ESCOM board. One can only speculate that he's, they, they 
going to be dealing with, with, with a possible solution on the table, which will definitely be a negotiated solution between the unions. It's not going to be a radic- as radical as perhaps the Minister of Finance would want. So I don't know if you've kept tabs on that uh, discussion at ESCOM. Um, as to what uh, was what was you know being spoken about today, but but certainly that's my contention. In fact, uh, I'm going back to this cabinet um, behind the scenes battle within the ANC and within government, that the president is going to have to step up to the plate once again, and show the kind of leadership in the state of the nation in the going forward, bearing in mind that he's. On a balancing line, on 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 a tightrope all the time, he's got an enemy faction from within that's trying to push him over. <laughs> so so yeah, it takes an immense skill of leadership to be able to balance those forces and give a way forward. So maybe maybe I think the point that that is of interest yeah. is the the faction that you made reference to. Mm. Um, you know, obviously that finds expression in the, in the appointment yes. uh, of said cabinet ministers, mm. which which are obviously pro transformation or pro uh, you know progress. Yeah. You know, who wants to really address uh, issues for what they are without any remnants of the previous <coughs> administration? Yeah. So, what are your thoughts um, regarding that kind of leadership? Under the current president, well, I think it's been in the media, Nimrod, over the last week or two, that yes, you know, the cabinet was the key positions went to 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 the president's people, and and you know, one had a sort of sense of confidence there that the Ministry of Finance, uh, that uh, public enterprises and under Pravin Gordon, they were in safe hands, and then there were some new people. That were, you know, untested and, and the Minister of, of Justice, Richard Lamola, has got apparently a very good reputation and, and, and engendered some confidence. Quite a lot of other of those ministers were new. They were, were younger. There were question marks. No one knew which faction they belonged to. Uh, in that whole cabinet appointment saga, some very questionable characters who were named in the Zondo Commission uh, were left out and resigned and a number of people as we know ministers, ex-ministers have resigned from parliament so that they keep their pension funds in the last you know, week or two. Um, what is very concerning, which of the anti-Cyril uh, uh, faction of the, the Zuma faction is the fact that uh, Busisiwe Mekwamani, the public protector, is investigating the two key ministers, namely the president himself, for for the money that he allegedly took from Basasa, five hundred thousand rand, and wasn't uh, 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 forthcoming on his first round of questions in in Parliament. Um, the DA brought an action to the public protector complaint to say he wasn't. Um, transparent and he wasn't uh, 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 accountable to parliament in that respect so they've got him there I mean um, uh, has got so many cases of dramatic corruption that she should be investigating which relate to the Zuma faction but she seems to be dropping those and 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 picking on uh, uh, this issue with the president and of course the the approval of a pension fund early payout pay to um, uh, SARS, 
uh, a, a number of years ago with Praveen Gordon. So that's that's part of the fight back of the opposing faction, which is holding the president back and distracting his attention from dealing with the matters of the country at the moment. And then, of course, uh, in the last week, uh, Asma Khashula, Secretary General, went to Cape Town while the cabinet was in meeting in Pretoria and tried to push his people into parliamentary chairperson of committees positions and and the president had to go and you know call him back and say listen you're not the president you mm-hmm. you've got to abide by a, a kind of sense of discipline there's a, a six-person national executive committee they take the decisions and you operate at Lutuli house and that battle is on the go you know there's clearly a fight back from the other faction to want to gain influence the whole issue with the questioning of the role of the of the reserve bank the mandate of the Reserve Bank, all these issues are, are kind of the, the Zuma faction issues, which are being fought for on the other side while the president is trying to get on with running the country. So it's, it's a tug of war at the moment, and one can only hope that the president can assert his leadership and authority to, to prevail. Okay. You know, that's where I think we're all hoping for. No, no, I couldn't agree with you more. But, um, Eric, perhaps maybe a point of clarity, which, which I yeah. think it's, it's very important that you and I are on the same page on this one. Yes. Um, I've, pe- I've heard uh, the public protector's justification for investigating the, the, current, prim- the current minister of, of pub- public enterprise, mm. Prevent Gordon. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in one of the media uh, conferences, she indicated that she was approached by mm-hmm. the EFF. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of principle, she is meant to investigate any other matter that is brought before her. Yeah. And I think it's important mm-hmm. to look at issues from a principle point of view. Sure. And beca- because if you fail to appreciate issues at the principle level, you run the risk of politicizing what is not, not what is not necessarily apolitical, mm-hmm. but but merely administrative issue. Mm. Um, yes, there could there are political undertone, you know. Uh, behind the investigation of 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 the of, of the the, the, the uh, Pravin Gordon, okay, mm-hmm. um, there's no doubt about that. But the issue is that when you are presented with a allegation, mm-hmm. your role as the public protector is to investigate, you know, without fear or favor. Sure. So that's something that 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 we we, we should not lose sight of, mm-hmm. irrespective of who is at the helm, because <clears throat> that kind of a narrative. I think it's mo- it's very dangerous, in that we we lose sight. Yes, there are other motivations or motives behind these things, mm. but at the principal level, is that if, for an example, if you're saying everyone is 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 equal before the law, mm-hmm. that principle is being applied mm-hmm. in the sense that allegations are leveled against this particular individual, mm. her office, you know, she she is constitutionally bound to investigate that particular claim. Yeah, you know, so so I don't I don't want us to 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 miss that point. I, I think the, the point, though, uh, Nimrod, is that there are absolutely mountains of cases that are emerging from the state capture inquiry which demand their attention and have accumulated over the last five, ten years, which the public protector is supposed to be working on. All of a sudden, these two, which are recent, are the two main highlight issues that she's investigating and the coincidence with the fact 
that the president is trying to get on with running the country and, and leading a new cabinet and the minister of public enterprises, Pravin Gordon, is trying to turn around the state-owned companies. You've you got to be naive. Mm. Not to see a political agenda by that. I mean, everyone knows that, that that there is a political agenda behind it. So, yeah, you know, it's a red herring in in a way to say, yeah, there was a query raised. We need to show you need to investigate it, but prioritize which cases you're dealing with, in which order, what is the extent, and what is the the consequences in, in terms of the, the amount of money involved, in terms of the how long the, the cases have been waiting to be resolved. So, you know, the fact that these are the two that, that, that are on top of her agenda, that, you know, be, begs the question. But be that as it may, you know, that's just part of the, the battle that's going on. And, and, and I think I'd like, you know, I've been saying to you for, for, for the last couple of times we've spoken that this battle as it unfolds, the president is busy trying to negotiate his way and balance the other faction because if he tries to be let's say decisive and and deal fatal blows to 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 the people that are in a way his enemies they are also his partners he loses his position as as an authoritative pre- president of of a united cabinet He's, then you then you're going to have all hell breaking loose so i don't know what your view is on that and how the president negotiates his way forward Look, it's obviously a very complex uh, process um, which need all hands on deck in terms of the support. I mean, the biggest uh, power blocks are the unions. The president can't willingly make a determination without bringing them into his confidence. Sure. So because, I mean, uh, they, they are a force to reckon with mm. without, um, you know, uh, proper consultation with the unions. Um, you know, he, he's, he's not going to make inroads. So he has to make sure that everybody sees the bigger picture, whatever picture that will be selling to them. That yes, for now, um, you know, we may not get X amount, but let's look for X, you know, as a as a way of bargaining, you know. Sure. Uh, the factions within the ANC itself. I mean, you, 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 I mean, it's not rocket science that uh, you, and the ANC is not. It's well, the ANC is not a, a. It's not. It's not a homogenous. Um, mm. Structure is is extremely divided, mm. with vast interest. Uh, you know, either depending on whatever faction that you're looking at, because at the heart of the factional battle are personal interest, mm. uh, uh, masqueraded in the, in the context of public interest. You know, so he would obviously have to, uh, you know, navigate very carefully mm-hmm. without rocking the boat. But the difference in, the, in 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 his administration is that he's now a legitimate leader. Sure. You know, uh, which is which something that he did not enjoy as he was coming through, 100%. because he needed to tread very carefully because he did not have a a a mandate, so to speak. Yes. Now he's got an absolute mandate, mm. um, which will which will determine his administration, whether he has been successful in managing, you know, some of the you know some of the 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 the, the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Some of the outliers, yes, like um, you know Ishma Khasula, yes, because he's in he's an outlier, mm-hmm. you know, because he's not he's not in he's not consistent. His utterances are not consistent with the you know with his leadership style for leadership. For sure, you know. Earlier on, you made reference to um, him trying to influence uh, the appointment of chairpersons, you know, because right. you know 
this is a way of trying to 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 to, to reposition yeah. certain forces, mm-hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason. So 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 the president has to obviously is aware of all these issues. I mean, he's not a novice. No, sure. You know, um, being a skillful negotiator that he is, all those issues come to play. But right. the difference uh, from where I'm sitting is the fact that he is now a legitimate person. Sure. He has been given full right to take um, his constitutional bound, you know, for as long as he operates within the confines of the Constitution, which he's entitled to push. Mm. Um, there's, there, there shouldn't be a problem. No, the, the 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 battle will go on even past Thursday's State of the Nation. There's like let's say forty eight, forty nine percent of all government and members of parliament and cab- cabinet and officials within government who are not, you know, pro Cyril Ramaphosa people. The the, the ability of, of 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 the president to prevail. Mm-hmm. I, what I do agree with, with you is is that. There is one difference, major difference now that he's president. Apart from the mandate, sure he's got a mandate, so he's the president, not as Mahashula, granted. But he also controls the budget. And that, that, that affects the appointment of people in key positions within government and within parliament and, and you name it. So, um, in that sense, he's got financial leverage that he might not have had previously. Question I ask you is, um, whether in your view, you know, as a, as an observer, I know you're a facilitator of discussion. Maybe you haven't got a view. But if I had to say to you, do you think the president is on the ascendancy in this battle and is, has got a chance to prevail uh, gradually over a period of time? Or is he on the back foot and on a losing, on, on losing ground? Look, I don't know, I have all the facts, um, but I can only say, you know, he's probably on ascending, you know, a platform. He's about to entrench himself. Right. He's about to uh, consolidate the power because he's now he's now legitimate. Right. Uh, and 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 chart the way forward. Sure. Know? So so that's the kind of um, uh, trajectory that he's at now. Right. Because remember, um, the the remnants of the previous administration are alive and kicking. Sure. And they will not let it. Uh, let him let him let him uh, uh, sell through. You yeah. are going to fight. Absolutely. All these bits and pieces that you see, whether through this or that or that, are a manifestations of, <coughs> um, you know, comp- of, of 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 those that enjoy certain benefits in the past, who wants to either hold on to or or or, or for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So so that's something that he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. But perhaps for me, for for the country as it as it were, we should not lose sight of the the economic crisis. Of the country, you know, we the, these kinds of conversations for me are, are, are almost like a a by the way issue. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest the biggest crisis that we're sitting at now is is getting the economy right. Sure, you know, getting the economy right because these uh, side shows, um, which which happen, you can't ignore them. But but you know, they 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 in a greater scheme of things, they are, they they are, they are neither here nor there. Right. The biggest crisis that we will judge. Several, you know, one of the biggest indicators that we will judge him on sure. is whether the country has moved from the needle, economic-wise, has moved from zero point one percent or whatever the, the current status is to three or three and a half percent. That's one thing that really that that we need to measure sure. him on. For sure, the rest are just sideshows, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, look, I, th- I think what's encouraging there is that 
and you need to bear in mind there's a global economy, you know, there's an aftermath of a global recession at the moment. All markets, all economies are subject to the Trump tweeting phenomenon, the war, the, the trade war with, with China. Uh, you know, one day you wake up and they say that, that the trade war with tariffs on China and backwards and forwards is going to resolve itself and stock markets go up a percent, they jump up and the next day they say, no, Trump is holding out for bigger tariffs, he's banning Hawaii, how do you pronounce it? Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. And Hawaii, I see in today's paper, dropped, their sales dropped 40% since uh, uh, Trump has excluded them from dealing with uh, with America and using Google's technology operating system. So um, that that is a factor which affects every economy, including South Africa. Um, the outcome of that, you've got to actually take a view on Trump and the negotiating and, and the way things are going. Also with the Middle East, you know, his, his negotiations with Iran. The Brexit negotiations are also in your outlook there. If you see all of those things as really a negotiating situation with each, within each of those countries that they, they're battling to, to gain the advantage over their adversaries and their competitors and that in the end that those, those, um, wars are going to resolve themselves. You know, I, I, I think, um, you know, that is a global phenomenon. That's yes. a problem problem. I mean, it's sure. not, it's not unique to South Africa. Yeah. Um, and I, I would, 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 would loathe, uh, a concentration on the narrative such as that at the expense of, uh, what needs to be done to change the economy because there are other countries who are in a similar position. Yeah. But who are still growing. Yes. How are they doing it? Because that's the, that's the question. Yeah, you know no. they're not like isolated from the global, uh, uh, you know, atmosphere that we're seeing. They're not. I mean, Asian Asian countries are still registered in three, four, five percent. You know that that's a kind of conversation because because it's almost like so we it's, it's justifiable for us to be where we are because of this 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 trade wars between China and 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 and, uh, no. and, and the states. Yes, but. In a greater scheme of things, there, you know, other people can still come, other countries are competing and are delivering. And it's almost like a scapegoat that we, we need to sit here purely because of these kinds of power relations between the no, two. No, I'm saying you need to bear that in mind because it's affecting all economies right now. The, the one that's on the ascendancy is the American economy is lowest unemployment for many years because of the Trump strategy. And, you know, you talk about China at three or something percent, but they were seven and eight and nine percent. So that game is playing out and you've got to be aware of it and affects us because those are our main customers. We've got export markets which keep our businesses going. However, Having said that, what was cause for quite a lot of optimism in terms of the president's economic growth strategy, it's bringing in a trillion rands worth of investment. In fact, a hundred billion dollars in five years. Now, I think the report on foreign direct investment in Africa this week showed that South Africa in the last year was the highest performing Africa in terms of foreign direct investment. So that's an optimistic, uh, 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 signal. Who were the, the players that were actually came into to, to with the big investment like you know, big billions of, 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 of rands at least in investment were some of the existing operators within South Africa, within the motor industry. Mercedes Benz, Nissan, Toyota, those are now when they show confidence 
And when your corporate sector shows confidence by reinvesting in this country and in the potential for growth, that's what I think the president is trying to do in terms of his strategy. And that's why I think in his state of the nation, his biggest task is to retain the confidence or what they call ramaphoria, but certainly is not going to be up in the sky ramaphobia. Ramaphoria. It's got to be realistic confidence that the business community can buy into and put money into the economy. Well, with time, we'll, we'll yeah. get to know whether you know um, the the confidence that he that that is required yeah. for business and other foreign investors to you know plow into South Africa. Yes, uh, is that to be tested? Correct. But unfortunately, you and I would agree on this point that you know. If the environment is not conducive, we, we cloud out investment. So maybe this kind of conversation that he's having with, 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 with opposition is to try and stabilize. Correct. You know, 100%. Try and stabilize so that we don't totally. cloud out investment because exactly. some of the utterances like the Reserve Bank issue, the land issue, you know, have a, a direct impact on the investor confidence. Sure. So until we have a, a platform or environment which is seen to be stable, from a policy point of view, then we can see traction in terms of the, this investor confidence that we're Certainly. talking about. Sure. Otherwise, we, we're just wasting time. Mm. You know, I think ultimately for me, it is, and, and for anybody who's listening, we, 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 we really care about economic growth sure. and, uh, and it's time for the president to deliver. Yeah. And bottom line, and, you know, grow the needle, let's see that needle moving this way. Sure. You know, because that is the only way in which you could, you could have confidence in him. You know, not so much about what, what he has done in the past. The past is gone. You know, the unemployment rate is shocking. The economy is not going at the rate it's not it's supposed to grow. And we have um, ailing entities that are not adding value to fiscals. Sure. In fact, they are liabilities. You're right. So if you address those kinds of issues, we're more likely to move this country to an employment. Let's see what he says on, on Thursday. He's got to show the kind of leadership we're calling for. At this point in time, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We, we ha- there's no more time. Yeah, sure. Unfortunately, Eric, we're gonna have to leave it there. We've run out of time, as always. <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's always it's pleasant to have you on board. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good uh, evening. Appreciate it.